Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we explore the subtlety and nuance inside the world of personal protection. Listen as industry experts, thought leaders, and pioneers investigate why it depends is the answer of champions. Ballistic Radio, critical thought over empty rhetoric. Ballistic Radio is brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance. Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at BigTechsOrdinance.com. And now, here's your host. John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at BigTechsOrdinance.com. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, other things at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. Hey, Joe. What's going on? It's been a while. Yeah, that I mean, They're busy. That's that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, all sorts of stuff. But uh, nice. The view's nice. I, I see the it is the government building over here with the Just wave to them. I'm sure they're watching. Yeah, and, and they might even be listening. So <laughs> that's, a, that's probably they're, they're probably doing that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Rrr. anyway. I don't know my. Yeah, we're just we're we're just gonna mumble our way Rrr. into the introduction of Sarah Cade. Oh wait, Hopman. Sarah Kate Hopman. Sorry. I apologize. Sarah, how are you? I'm well. How are you? So you know the you know the thing where like you meet somebody and even though you know for a fact, like, oh, they got married and their last name changed. Like that first information bias never leaves your head. And yeah, that's that's I'm I'm so sorry. I, I do Oh no. Don't and, worry about it. I actually do the same thing to myself occasionally, <laughs> so <laughs> not like I can get mad at you. Well, and and the irony there too is like I was at the wedding, so like it's I kind of know what happened. Like I I wore my my maid of honor dress and everything. <laughs> so yeah, you were there. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. God, that feels like forever ago too, and it was only a couple years, right? Yeah, yeah, coming up on a uh, year and a half, I think, give or take. So. Time flies. Uh, I think that it's actually more of the fact that 2020 was the longest year in human memory. Like it really was. Like I, I don't know. Um, 2020 reminds me of, you know, when like you're in high school and you get sick and you have to stay home, and like, okay, the first day you're home, all oh, the Price is Right is on, cool. And then by like day two, you've run out of all of the things that you tell yourself you want to do when you're not doing them, but then you get to do them and you're like, God, kill me. It was like that, but for the entire year. I could not agree more. Yeah, that, that's really spot on. Yeah. So anyway, Sarah Hopman, um, <laughs> who are you and what do you do? Thanks for having me today. Uh, well, I am, uh, you know, I don't know if I have an official title, but I work for Filster Holsters. Uh, and I do their, um, uh, some of their educational content, media, product photography, uh, customer service, and customer education. Product design, too. Like, you, you kind of had your hand in, like, this one cool thing that you make. I mean, you make, oh, yeah. you make a lot yeah. of cool things, but, you know. So so what's funny is you're I really thought what you were going to do to me and and I was I was going to laugh cuz it would have been funny. I I thought you were just going to be like 
I work for Filster, and it's like, and. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, no, but um, you guys do really cool things, and if I'm, I'm sure if, if you're listening to this and haven't checked it out, uh, go ahead and check out the Enigma. Get on the, the wait list for it. It is it's awesome. Not a gimmick. The hype is real, right? <laughs> um, full disclosure, friends of mine, but still, like I have completely transitioned away from uh, traditional holster mounted to belt for literally everything that I do. Uh, teaching, everyday carrying, um, you know, exercise, just... Like, you made me get rid of my fanny pack, Sarah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't get rid of it. It's still there, but, like, yeah, yeah, like, I, I, the fanny pack is lonely. I don't, I don't use it anymore. It's just, it's really, oh. no, it's okay. This is bad. So sad. No, not really. It's, I, I know you hate the fanny pack, but that's okay. <laughs> so, what I want I mean, to, go ahead. Oh, no, I mean, it's not the fanny pack itself. It's just the vibe, the fanny pack vibe. <laughs> I have a hard time with that. But, but it's, it's nothing personal. It's such an accurate vibe for me, though. It really is. <laughs> um, it is kind of like a peak dad vibe. Yeah, no, accurate. Very accurate. Um, somebody pointed out to me just yesterday that, uh, and I mentioned it in the last episode, so clearly I'm going to bring it up like it wasn't a big deal, but clearly it is a big deal. They, they're like, oh, you're getting a lot of gray in your beard. And I'm like, <sighs> but yeah, apparently. So, you know, who has the best fanny pack vibe though? And I bet you could guess like if who? you, if you stopped and thought about it for a second, legendary hmm. lawman. Marshall Chuck Hagen. Oh, that's accurate. Okay. He, he makes yeah. those things look good, and I didn't think that was possible. Like, he, like, Yeah, I didn't think that was possible either. But if anyone could pull it off, it would be Chuck. Yeah. I don't make fanny packs look good. Fanny packs let everyone know that I have given up. I mean, that's... But <laughs> Chuck, he makes them look good. Anyway, moving on, because this is just going to, like turn into us throwing one-liners at each other and giggling at our own, like, oh, stupidity. Oh, that's going to spiral out of control. <laughs> yeah, it would. It absolutely would. Um, so what I want to ask about is kind of your thoughts on all sorts of stuff. So you, theor- you, you qualify as a non-traditional gun owner, I guess. <laughs> and, you know, you're deeply involved in the firearms community at this point you you have been for a long time on the you know activist level but as far as you're now deeply involved in the firearms training community and the concealed carry sort of culture for lack of a better word right and Mm -hmm. what i would like to do is get your perspective on what you saw when you first entered that world Versus the direction that is sort of moving now and kind of how we, I guess, recognize certain things that make it difficult for new people to enter into this world and how we continue to foster, you know, that growth, if that makes sense. Was that a a generalized enough question that you can go wherever you want with it? Because that was my goal much yeah i get what you're going for uh so my thoughts on this the the gun community does a few things really well and a few things not so well 
when it comes to new new gun owners. So one of the things they do well is the gun community is incredibly welcoming. If you show up and you're new at the range, you know, odds are really good. Somebody's going to say, oh, are you new? Would you like to try this gun? Here's how you hold it. And, you know, they'll walk you through stuff. And, you know, if you walk by somebody and say, oh, what kind of gun is that? They'll say, oh, it's a blah, blah, blah. Here, try it out. You know, they're incredibly welcoming. They're so happy to share their hobby and their passion. And that's amazing. And that's so cool. And, and like, that's one of those things I never want the gun community to lose because uh, it's very special. Now, the flip side of that is the things we don't do quite so well. And I think where we fall down is we seem to, uh, we have a hard time tolerating ideological differences. Mm. So we have these new people, they come to the range, and we're so excited that they're there. But as soon as they deviate from our, our ideal picture of what a gun owner should think, we kind of spank them. And that's one of those things we got to stop doing. It's like new people in gun culture, uh, it, this, is, this is a tough one to grapple with. So new people in gun culture are what keep the community going. They're the ones who determine whether we're going to have a Second Amendment in 50 years. And we want them to appreciate the culture that we've built. But the problem is we, we can't make them exactly like us, and we can't expect them to be exactly like us. And when we try, we end up just pushing them out of the culture, and then we have no influence over them at all. Right. Right. Why do you think that happens? Eh, I think it's probably a little bit of human nature, honestly. You know, like, we, we all want to form a tribe, and the tighter our tribe is, the better it feels. And when people challenge our notions of what is, is right, uh, that's kind of a painful process, and not everybody's good at handling it. So I, I think that's really probably most of it. Um, you know, politics is, is another thing, too. It's like the gun issue is an inherently political issue. Uh, in in America right now, it doesn't necessarily have to be, but it's going to be for a long time mm -hmm. uh, because it's it's politically valuable uh, to the people that are using it for political ends. So it's not going away as a as an issue of of political division that that people kind of capitalize on, um, but it's it's not. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be that way, and for us as individuals, we don't have to treat it that way. So I guess that's where the difference is. You know, the political parties are not going to give up guns as a, a wedge issue, um, but as individuals, we can make changes in the broader climate by changing how we interact with people in our, you know, individual circles. So I know this is a big topic. <laughs> well, we can we, we can talk about it. We have to go to break, and then we'll get into it. Right now we're talking with Sarah Hopman from Filster, and you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scattergun since 
1977. A legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the EDC X9 series of firearms, which offers discriminating shooters 1911 match grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service pistol capacity as well as reliability at wilsoncombat.com. So we're talking with Sarah Hauptman from Philster, and we're sort of discussing <laughs> essentially how people drive each other away from all sorts of different things and look for things to fight about. And um, you were you were saying when, you know, we're very welcoming of new gun people until they deviate from what we think the ideal is and then we spank them, right? <laughs> and, and I just, and I'm going to fail right now, but I just want to point out, like, I did so good not making, like, a joke when you said that. <laughs> Like a like a like a fourteen year old boy would have made. Yeah, that was bait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I I know, and that's a, that's a trap. It's it's a, it's a trap. Um, but and remain John Johnston. Yeah, you know, but I thought it. I thought it, and I controlled myself. The <laughs> my question for you though is, it seems like because I've run into this and uh, you've seen it happen that. We have a lot of people with a lot more knowledge than they used to have. So, like, knowledge is, like, good knowledge is much more widely available than it used to be through, you know, there are a lot of people that are putting out consumable media that's actually very good information. So people have this knowledge that they, they you know, consume and they incorporate it into their thoughts and beliefs and whatever – but they don't have any of the understanding that came with that knowledge for for the person that made that content, whatever it was. So they've just got like this very one-dimensional, it's not even opinion really, it's just sort of a, a talking point almost. And when something deviates from that, it seems to be when one of the one of the people that has some knowledge will step on somebody that challenges that. Do do you think that's part of it or Oh yeah, that's another <laughs> that's another can of worms there. Wow. So <clears throat> again, there's an interesting human nature thing going on there. So you see this all the time and and I think you're 100% right that we have unprecedented access to information that used to take years of study to get. Now it's like you can go on YouTube and you can watch a video from somebody who spent 12 years practicing the art of a sub-second draw. And you can learn everything that they learned in, you know, a five-minute YouTube video. But that doesn't give you the 12 years of experience that, that got them to that point. Like, yeah, it gives you a head start on the, the, the technical knowledge. But there's so much more to it than that you really don't even know what you're missing out on. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really hard for people to contextualize things when they have that surface level of knowledge. Um, so then you see, you see these like massive flame wars. Uh, we've seen this in the concealment workshop um, talking about weapon-mounted lights, for example. Ha-ha! Yeah, a topic with which you are intimately familiar. 
I, uh, I, I know I know one or two things. I, I there are people that know quite a bit more than I do, and I I acknowledge and recognize that. But I I know one or two things. Yeah, that that's a prime example of an area where people will watch a YouTube video, and the YouTube video will present good arguments, and they will seize upon those arguments and repeat them dogmatically without considering any of the other context that brought that person to the point that, you know, from which they made the argument. Uh, so it, it's kind of, man, it's one of those things where there isn't a good solution for it, really, because it's, again, just a human nature thing. Um, but it is definitely a challenge in in the world of shooting and in, in generally speaking, just in the world of information hygiene. Uh, so maybe really that's the, the tough part about it is it's, it goes beyond the gun community. It's like we have unprecedented access to information, but we also have a harder time than ever separating out the true expertise from, you know, false expertise, um, good information from bad and contextually appropriate information from what sounds good or what feels good. Right. Well, and, and so we're talking about context, right? And mm-hmm. and this is this is the part that that I think I used to struggle with and I I don't you know, I try not to struggle with it anymore. You know, clearly if you don't like, I, I want to say I'm not doing this anymore, but I don't actually know because, you know, if you don't know you're doing something, you don't know you're doing something, right? But something I try to be very cognizant of is there are things that, <clears throat> for me, make 100% sense for me, like for me to do based off of so many different factors that like I can't even begin to list all of them mm-hmm. that would be the wrong choice for someone that isn't me, right? right. And, and there are things that you do that are 100% the correct choice for you that wouldn't be the correct choice for me or someone else and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the the thing that I try to do or try as a student, so I'm I'm just saying as a student is really force myself to think critically about any information that I'm receiving and see if it fits into the schema that is my life, my capability, my day to day and all of that. So I can look at information, take the pieces that is good for me, recognize the other pieces that are good in general, and also say, okay, that's not going to work for me because of this reason, this reason, this reason. And it seems like that's not something that you just show up with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and do you think that people when they're trying to give information to others need to factor that kind of 
decisional tree into the conversations they're having? Oh, yeah, that's absolutely. I think that's where a lot of people fall down giving advice is that, so if, let's look at our, let's take a sample expert. A sample expert who has, you know, multiple decades of experience in their field and a, a high understanding of technical concepts and a high level experience applying those concepts to people in varying circumstances. So this top expert, when you talk to that person and get a recommendation from them, they are accustomed to taking that body of knowledge and applying it to different contexts for different people. But you can also, I mean, especially on the internet, advice you get is not necessarily from an expert like that. It might be just from a regular person with, you know, who's been shooting for five years, knows a couple things really well, knows how things work for them, but doesn't have that broad experience uh, making things work for other people. So that's what I think makes people get really dogmatic. It's like, oh, I found this new technique. It works awesome. Everybody should use it. But it, it actually doesn't work as well for people who are different from you. You just don't know that yet uh, because you haven't had that breadth of experience yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think just remembering that helps. You know, like, okay, I want to help this person. I want to give them advice. How do I remember that they're different from me and their their context is different from mine? Uh, and usually what that looks like is softening kind of around the edges of the advice. <laughs> so instead of saying weapon lights are mandatory and you're an idiot if you disagree, uh, advice from an actual expert sounds a little different. Like, yeah, weapon lights are great to have if you can accommodate you know, the, the extra concealment challenges, if you have the training to use them correctly, uh, if, you know, the, the circumstances for you make sense to carry them. So, you know, it, I guess this is kind of a lesson on how to spot good information. Um, how is that information delivered and is there any subtlety or any nuance in the delivery? Uh, so, so yeah, I guess I guess that was really more from the perspective of, of the person receiving advice. But if you're the person that wants to give advice, um, man, should you? Huh. Hold that thought, and that's a that's a great question, and I want to talk about it more. But we have to go to break. Um, right now, we're talking with Sarah Hopman from Filster. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordnance. For every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at BigTechsOrdnance.com. This segment also brought to you by BigTechsOrdnance.com. Big Tech's Ordnance is the best place for you to find all of your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe need all the Candela from ModLite at the lowest price? No problem. Spend too much time alone in your room and your eyes are kind of going and, God, your mom was right and now you need an optic on your carry gun? Well, Big Tech's Ordnance has those and they don't judge. Glock accessories? Yes. Fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, Big Tech's Ordnance has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike, and you'll like Ike, too. Visit BigTechsOrdinance.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, 
not just an order. So we're talking with Sarah Hauptman from Filster about really whatever we want to. And, um, you know, the, the question you pose is, you know, so we were talking about receiving advice and how to spot good information. And then you, you said, now, if you're someone that's wanting to give advice, should you? So let's start from there. At what point or how do you make the determination regarding whether or not you have something of value to add to a conversation? Boy, that is a million-dollar question. Isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So I know you're familiar with the Dunning-Kruger curve, (laughs) where you start off, uh, if anyone's unfamiliar with it, you start off on a subject and you are overconfident in your abilities. Mm-hmm. And when you reach a certain point of knowledge, your confidence level drops and you realize how much you don't know. And you work through that and you, you, know, you keep working hard and you keep learning and you start to kind of come back up that slope where your confidence actually matches your skill level. Okay. So tough about it is when you're up high on that confidence curve, you know, (laughs) when you're just starting out, you think you know all there is to know about that topic. And it's really not until you experience that feeling of, you know, the ground moving out from underneath you and you're like, oh, oh, I really don't know anything about this. Well, I got to really do some work here. Uh, so, So your perception of your own expertise may be skewed. Uh, and I'm not telling people like that they don't know anything, you know. I'm just saying don't necessarily trust your perception of confidence alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so there's so many other points, though, that, that are involved in this, um, this discussion, right? So should you give advice? Well, you may not be the most qualified person to give advice, but you may be the most qualified person in that room. So is it worse if you stay quiet and let even less competent people than yourself speak up while you say nothing? Or, you know, it's like which which is the lesser evil? (laughs) Right. You know, that's something I've run into quite a few times. It's like somebody will ask a question about, say, for example, shooting technique. I don't teach shooting technique. I don't know high-level shooting technique. Uh, it's out of my lane. However, sometimes I see these discussions happening in places where everyone else is way further out of their lane than I am. So I almost feel like obligated to help that person because the rest of the advice they're getting is so bad. So it's like, well, I don't know. Should you give advice? It's, there's just no clean answer to that. You know, I think for most people, the desire to give advice comes from a place of genuine helpfulness. And if it comes from a place other than that, it's maybe not a good idea to give advice, at least not in, in that particular time. You know, if you're giving advice because it feels good to be right and you want to beat somebody else down with your intellect, probably not a good time to give advice. Uh, if if you want to genuinely see this person succeed, 
maybe that's a better time to give advice. Um, but, but there's more to it than that. So it's, oh man, that's such a tricky, such a tricky question. I guess from an outsider's perspective, looking at some of the conversations I see, probably minimum 50% of the people who are giving advice on any topic have no business giving advice on that topic. Uh, so, so I don't know, I guess if this conversation introduces doubt into anyone, <laughs> that's, that's probably a good thing. Well, to, I can only share like my personal experience, right? And you know, my ability to self assess is, uh, limited, right? But <laughs> I question every single thing that I am about to say before I say it, mm -hmm. you know, it's specifically in the context of, you know, gun stuff. And yeah, I, I participate in the concealment workshop, uh, sometimes. And, you know, if it's, if it's a topic that I have, you know, some experience with or information on, you know, I will it, I will bring up points occasionally if no one else has brought them up, or I'll, I'll expand on points or something like that. But every time I do that, I'm like, do I need to say this? Like, <laughs> and is this right? You know, and and that's that's a tough one. It actually, and that's that's the thing too is, um, it was a lot easier when I knew less because I was. I felt a lot better about what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Ugh. so I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that an interesting phenomenon? I remember, you know, in my twenties, I gave a lot of dogmatic advice about topics in which I had like a medium level of expertise. And it was so easy because I always, you know, I always had an answer and I always knew and kind of as I progressed in in uh, along that topic and then along just the general maturity curve, <laughs> yeah. uh, as I progressed along that, I kind of looked back at some of the things I was saying and I was like, man, I was I was way off. I was way off on a lot of that and I had no idea, which has made me a lot more cautious these days about what I tell people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you, I try to think through what I'm saying and think through whether I need to say it, uh, whether it's helpful or not. Um, yeah, I guess I, I'm trying not to veer off into areas of my pet peeves. <laughs> Go ahead. I, 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 so I, easy to do. Oh, no, I, I, I definitely support you stepping up onto a soapbox. Like, I'm, oh. I'm awful. I will shove you up on that thing right now. Right now. Well, in that case, <laughs> a pet peeve of mine is low quality advice just in general, mm -hmm. but especially especially online when somebody asks a question. And it's not, it, it's a tough one because personal experiences matter. And the personal experiences of people with with very little experience matter. And those are important. But they're not the same as expert advice. 
so an example of this, this, this happens all the time. Uh, you see this especially, well, I sh actually, I shouldn't even call out women for this. Uh, you see it a lot in women's groups, but you see it in general groups as well. Sure. Somebody will say, have you tried this holster? And there will be, you know, a hundred responses from people who are saying, I tried it, it was great. I tried it, it was awful. I tried it, and, you know, this happened. And, like, those experiences have some value. But what ends up happening is the person kind of, the person asking the question ends up getting a consensus of low information. So out of those 100 replies, they may get two expert replies. And those two expert replies would be genuinely helpful to them, but they kind of get drowned out in the noise of 100 people saying, oh, yeah, I put this holster on and I wore it for two days and it was great. They didn't train enough to encounter any of the limitations of the gear. And so they never, they never experienced the, the failure points. And so they couldn't speak from that perspective. So, so, you know, somebody will ask, well, what about this holster? They'll get 98 recommendations that it's good. The two recommendations that it's bad are the ones they should be listening to, but those are the last ones they're actually going to listen to. Right. Right. Well, so it's, it's very frustrating to watch. And, again, it, it kind of traces back to that whole information hygiene concept. The people asking for advice and the people giving advice, they don't have good information hygiene. And so it kind of just perpetuates bad information, and it, it leads to kind of a dumbing down of our, our gun culture. Hmm. And so I, I have a devil's advocate question about that, but yeah. we need to go to break first, so I will ask it when we get back. Right now we're talking with Sarah Halpman from Filster, and you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordnance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at BigTechsOrdnance.com. So, we're talking with Sarah Halpman, and you're talking about information hygiene, and my devil's advocate question for you, right, is, is there a danger... And so when we when we talk and and I know you're not talking about doing this, um, but you know, this is kind of in the news right now. So I'll I'll ask my devil's advocate question. <laughs> the concept of misinformation and who decides what that is and what it isn't and how information is disseminated and information hygiene um, in a perfect world, it strikes me that every single person would be able to think critically about the information that they're receiving and, you know, weed out the garbage and embrace the good stuff on their own, right? They, they could look at a piece of information and go like, that's a poorly formed opinion that doesn't actually have any bearing on what I'm asking. I'm going to ignore it. This one looks well thought out. I'm going to, I'm going to look at this and think about it. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but 
you know, and I, I know that you guys run an incredibly useful, great Facebook group that teaches people all sorts of good stuff. And the signal to noise ratio there is, is way better than most of the places on Facebook, especially for the size of the group. How do you, how do you allow the free flow of information, even some of the bad information, versus just stomping out, dissenting a bit? Do you kind of know, see where I'm going with that, and ask, like, do you see what I'm trying to ask there, or? Yeah. Yeah, that is a super good question, and that is something we've been talking about for the last year, give or take, uh, as the group has grown from 1,200 members to, uh, I think we're almost at 11,000. So that's, that's something that we've had to really think about, because this group started out as a high end, high expertise, small user group. So it was kind of like, kind of like a uh, clubhouse for experts. That's how it started. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and then as the, as our product line kind of developed and we accidentally ended up with a more beginner friendly product, the, uh, the tone and the, the expertise level in the group changed. Now, it would be super easy to say the group went downhill because all of these new people came in with low information. And, and I have struggled with this perspective myself. But what I actually realized is we were given an incredible opportunity to reach people earlier in their learning curve and help influence them to better information faster. And, you know, for me, as, as somebody who moderates a Facebook group, but my background is political activism, I can't help but see these people joining the group, and there are a lot of young people, a lot of non-traditional gun, over, uh, non-traditional gun owners. I see these people join the group, and I'm like, oh, this is the holy grail. Like, these are the people we have been trying to reach for decades while we've been afraid that the Second Amendment is going to die out, and here they are. So how do we talk to them? How do we make them included in this culture and make them a part of what we're doing? And how do we make sure we don't squander this incredible opportunity that we've been given? Uh, so, so those two parts of me are kind of at war. <laughs> um, but to get back to your question, we've struggled with moderating this group ever since it started to grow because exactly like you said, it's like you want to have a free exchange of ideas, but you also want to make sure that you're not uh, – Let's see how to phrase this. This is such a tricky one. You don't want somebody coming in going, urban carry is the best holster there is, and anyone that doesn't use it is just because <laughs> it, it's poisoning the well. That Yeah, poisoning the well. That's That's kind of it. Yeah, so you want to welcome these new people, and you want to get them into the culture. You want them to feel ownership, and you want them to participate because that's the way we grow our culture. But at the same time, you also want to keep the information quality level high. So you don't want them to come in and start giving advice to other new people without realizing how little they know. 
So it's kind of this, it's very tricky to navigate this space without hurting people's feelings. Well, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's kind of inevitable. You're going to hurt people's feelings. Well, so, so here's, here's a concept that I never understood. Um, and, you know, based off of how I was raised and it caused problems uh, for a long time. But essentially what you're trying to let people know without, you know, just coming out and saying it, because if you come out and say it the wrong way, it turns people off. But not everyone's opinion matters. And frankly, ah. not everyone's opinion should be listened to. Yeah, there is no nice way to say that, but it is true. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, personally, I kind of mentioned being 20 and giving bad advice. At 20, I should have done a little more thinking about whether my opinion was really valuable. Yep. And a lot of times it wasn't, but I thought it was because, you know, nobody could have told me different. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I'm almost 40 now, and my perspective on that is different. And there are a lot of times where I'm like, oh, you know, I have experience with this product, but really I only use it for a couple of days. My opinion isn't all that valuable, and so I'm going to just keep my mouth shut which is something I, I don't think I could have done earlier in my life. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's so tricky. It's like, you know, I love people's enthusiasm. And I love their willingness to help each other. Like, that's what makes the community good. Uh, but at the same time, we, we do end up <laughs> moderating pretty heavily just to keep it from, like, devolving into the lowest common denominator. Um, so that's tough. I guess the way we, we make those decisions is, do we have time to engage with this content? Um, if not, then we remove it. If we have time, we will explain in detail what the problems are with a particular recommendation or with, you know, particular advice or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and generally speaking, if the discussion is balanced, we will let it be. If somebody comes in with a, you know, I, I'm not making fun of anyone here, but some opinions are better than others. And if somebody comes in with an opinion that's just dumb, but other people speak up and say, here's why this might not be such a good idea. Here's what you should think about before you decide to carry in this urban carry holster. Um, that's awesome. And, you know, that that's the kind of conversation we want to have. Um, but if it gets to the point where the good advice is drowned out by the bad advice, it's like, all right, we're going to start pruning this tree because this is not helpful. Well, and and this sucks, but the concept that – so hypothetically, right, if someone comes in and says something just – dumb, like you said, and you look at them and go, hey, I'm sorry, your opinion doesn't matter. Uh, someone's going to double down and defend their position, right? But mm -hmm. ideally, in a perfect world, what you need to do is get someone to organically realize that their opinion doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> um, and like having been... <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of one particular interaction that you were party to <laughs> and, uh, you know, John was party to, um, 
Everyone's named John. Um, yeah. All the cool kids. Yeah, right. And essentially it took about a week a week a week of effort, maybe longer, to get somebody to realize like, oh, my opinion doesn't matter. Um Yes. And, and it was exhausting. Yeah. And like I I could have just started out with that. And like mm-hmm. trust me I wanted to. Like <laughs> but I don't know though. And and that's the thing too is like I don't know that my opinion matters either. I mean maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I'm not sure. But like I don't know that my opinion matters. I I think that maybe the litmus test is if you're sure your opinion matters, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like I does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, if you're that confident, uh, that's probably an indicator of where you are on that Dunning-Kruger curve. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, once you start climbing up the other side where your skill actually matches your confidence, uh, you're very aware of how much you don't know. And it's a lot harder to be overconfident when you're on that side of the curve. Yeah. Um, there's a video game, Darkest Dungeon. It's It's... The only reason I bring it up is because the narrator in the game, a guy named Wayne June, has this amazing I'll I'll send you YouTube because it's it's awesome, but there's a uh, a quote from the game and it's uh, confidence is a slow and insidious killer or something like that. <laughs> and or overconfidence, that's it. Oh man, I messed it up. It, it just lost its impact. But anyway, the I I try and keep that in mind. Um, but I don't know what the correct level of confidence is, so who knows? Yeah. But, but Hey, we talked for an hour, uh, and we're at the end of the show. So, well, that was quick, right? That's, uh, that was quick. Yeah. Everyone knew how to talk, um, (laughs) which is a really lame pop culture reference and probably Appaloosa. Anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to stop now. If people want to, (laughs) um, listen to you disseminate amazing information or talk about concepts or find out more about Filster or just in general grow is human beings. Where, uh, where can they, where can they do that at? Well, the best place to do that is to uh, join the Filster Concealment Workshop on Facebook. That's P H L S T E R Filster Concealment Workshop. Um, if you if you join, I would highly recommend lurking and reading for a while uh, before starting to give advice, <laughs> so you can avoid running afoul of all the problems we've talked about here. Uh, it tends to be one of those one of those groups where people kind of rush in the gate and they're in a hurry to be helpful and to kind of make their mark on the world. And then they look around and realize how much information is already collected there. It's kind of it, one of our friends called it a library of of Alexandria for concealment. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, you know, settle in, look around, check out the resources, uh, and then join in the discussion when you feel like you are ready. Well, and it's it's one of it's one of the places on the internet where you can give advice on a product accidentally to the person that helped design the product. Yes. Um, yes. Which is amusing when it happens, but you know, so very embarrassing if you're the if you're the person doing that. It, it's if, like if you know that you're doing it, yes. 
Yeah, yeah, that's, you never know who you're going to encounter in that group. And uh, we, we've had that happen several times where, where people will try to, you know, kind of condescendingly explain <laughs> topics that were pioneered by the people they are arguing with. And it's always kind of funny when that happens. But the cool part is, it's, it's kind of amazing, the world we live in, where you can just join a group and rub elbows with the top experts in the field. And just you can all talk as, uh, you know, on kind of equal footing. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. No. You didn't used to be able to do that. And so I, I'd highly encourage people to take advantage of that resource um, because it's really, it's really cool. No, it, it really is. But uh, we are out of time. Sarah, thank you so much for everything and specifically for coming on the show. Give my best to John and the new puppy. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Well, thanks for having me. It was a great conversation. Yeah, of course. Hey, guys, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com, like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And, hey, keep leaving those five-star reviews on iTunes. It really helps us out, but only if you think we've earned it. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week. Don't